my top five podcasters, Chris, 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 Chris Lambert, and probably myself, but this ain't about that. The mundane festival is where you at. If you've been tapped in, you know what's up. If you're a first-timer, hey, welcome to the club. The cost of admission is simply a subscription. Then rating and reviewing it wherever you're listening. Don't worry about change-ups. The cast won't break up. Even with that million-dollar contract, show up a stand-up guy who's a stand-up comedian with a stance on everything from food to media. So welcome to the show. Please take your seat. Let's find out what he's got in store this week. Who, me? I'm Don. Will you open the act? Thanks for coming out. Please clap. The Mundane Festival with your host, Chris Lambert. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Mundane Festival podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lamberth, recording this episode on Sunday, May 21st, 2023. Remember, as always, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. If you're really into this thing, wherever you listen, give this show a five-star review. Let everybody know why you like it, because it's simply the right thing to do. And if you would like to take your love and appreciation of this show to an even deeper level, go over to patreon.com slash mundane festival and subscribe. It's three bucks a month for hours and hours and hours of bonus content. I want to give a special shout out to Arian for subscribing, being a brand new Patreon subscriber. I hope you enjoy the bonus content. There's cool stuff behind that paywall. There's a new stand-up set that I did uh, at the DC Improv when I was opening for the homie J.L. Covan. Um, it's fun. Similar to the Pottstown set, but a different vibe. So I hope you like that. I hope you like seeing what I've been crafting lately. Um, so I hope you enjoy that. Be like Arian. Subscribe. It's fun. This is episode 648, I believe. There's no guests. It's just me sitting here in my apartment recording this on a beautiful Sunday morning, a little past 6 a.m. Uh, my apologies to the three of you that like to listen to this at 12.01 when I normally when I'm when I'm being very industrious and on top of my game. Uh, when you when I record on Saturday and, and post it, but I was I was busy, had a fun week. Um, I got to do some stand up comedy. Folks actually let me go into a club and talk on a microphone. So that was fun. I was in Rutherford, New Jersey um, on Friday night. That's good. Like comedy on a Friday night. What's better than that? You know, comedy on a weekend. Got asked to open for a a. a like a internet star, internet and TV star, actually, Anisha Ram, who was on Bravo. Uh, I had never seen any of her stuff, but she's super popular, and uh, I had to be clean. <laughs> and I had a, I'm not a super dirty comic, but I had, I was really thinking about the stuff that I wanted to say, because uh, I didn't want to piss off her audience and I wanted to do my job as a comedian as a professional if they ask you to be clean you be clean you do you do what you need to do so I did that and I had a lot of fun and I still got to work on some new stuff so I was happy about that uh and that's always fun and they feed you you know it's it's the best um so shout out to bananas I had a good time um, yeah, and, and I was on a podcast this week, Stays Crunchy in Milk, um, it's a podcast based in cl the Cleveland area, actually, uh, we were reminiscing about, I was reminiscing about a, a festival that I did, the Accidental Comedy Festival that I did out there in 2015, I believe, and I remember uh, one of the hosts was like, I think I post if you do a deep dive on on my uh, Instagram, you can see where I I was there, and then 
uh, one of them was like, oh, uh, dude, that's right down the street. I was like, ah, well, you know, I posted about it. But um, that I really liked it down there. Out there, rather. Uh, it, it was it was fun. Uh, and like, you know how JL always talks about Cleveland. I get it, man. I, I like small towns like that. It's a it's a it's still a, it's a major city, but they still do have a lot of the same things that major cities have. You know, I like it. I, I, I understand that. Um, um, the Midwest It's something about the Midwest that I appreciate and respect the hard work and um, being able to. Uh, if you have to leave, you can take it anywhere with you. You can take this, the skills that you learned. I mean, that's what happened to me. So and, and quite a few of my uh, uh, colleagues in the in the biz. Um, OK, so that was that. I did the skim podcast. It's not out. If you're on their Patreon, you can listen to the episode now. But I believe it's coming out maybe sometime this week. As far as comedy dates are concerned, I'm I have a show on the 27th at QED Astoria uh, at 930. Uh, I'm excited about that. That's a showcase show. Um, so that'll be fun. You will get to hear the new shit there, raw and uncut. Um, so I'm happy to do that. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember how driving in the city is on on a holiday weekend like that in the summer. I think I'd be okay unless it's Sunday night and everybody's Sunday or Monday and and everybody's coming back into the city. But I don't know. Should be fun either way. I'm I'm excited. Um, and putting together some more shows in the city, just trying to get them going brick at brick by brick. I'm going to try to get back to my thing of doing, doing shows in the city and, and to create more jokes. Um, that was that skin podcast, comedy at bananas show at QED Astoria. Uh, more stuff coming hopefully soon. Um, got to add so fun and busy week. I got to see a play. I got to get cultured. Uh, so I was really happy. Uh, on Tuesday, I went to see this play called Primary Trust uh, at the Roundabout Theater. It's an it was an off it's an off Broadway play that's running through July second. So if you're in the New York area in the next couple of months and you want to see something, you want to see a play, go see it. It was really good. It's only 95 minutes. The tickets were not super expensive. Uh, I think I bought two tickets and they were both like 65, 70 bucks or something like that. Not that bad. Um, but if you're visiting the city, I, I would, I would say you should go see it. Um, let me see if I can, I'll read you the, the blurb on the website. Um, meet Kenneth, a 38 year old bookstore worker who spends his evenings sipping Mai Tais at the local Tiki bar. When he's suddenly laid off, Kenny finally begins to face a world he's long avoided with transformative and even critic, even comical results directed by nude Adams, Ebony Booth's primary trust is a touching and inventive world premiere about new beginnings, old friends, and seeing the world for the first time. Now, this play, I wouldn't even say deceptively moving because it, because it really, I went in going to this play where, so this play stars William Jackson Harper, who plays who played Cheedy on The Good Place, uh, the one of the, the main guys on The Good Place, and he plays Kenneth. And I said, oh, that's that was attractive to me because one, I think he's a great actor. He was also in that on that HBO show Love Life. Is that the right way with him and uh 
um, Jessica Williams. Let me make sure. Let me see. I think it was Love Life, right? I just want to make sure. I want to get this right. Um, what is that? Where is it? Did he, was that in two, 2020? That is so weird. He was in. Why did they? Are they trying to? I know they canceled the show, but it's like they were trying to love life. I was right. He was in season two of love life. And that's when the, the show got really black. And uh, it was really fucking good. So good. It was him and Jessica Williams in season two. If you remember, the the first season was about Anna Kendrick's love life. So, so that was terrific. He was in the Underground Railroad. He was the black dude in Midsommar. And um, he's a really great actor. And then I saw him maybe four or five years ago before the pandemic it was he was in this play called after the blast that zoe kazan uh wrote and i really liked him enjoyed him in that met him was trying to get him on the pod and it just didn't work out because he blew up and got really famous but he's back in town doing this play and i was just like I was expecting it to be I was expecting it to be good, <laughs> but I wasn't expecting to get low key emotional. I was just like, oh, my God. And this play was really touching. Um, and I was not expecting that to happen on a Tuesday night. <laughs> it was so it was so good. And it was so um, it was so uh, good to just go see that and, and be inspired and the, it's a black woman playwright ebony booth she's also an actress um i want to read some of her stuff now more of her plays and it was directed by this guy named nude adams k-n-u-d adams he um directed this play i think it's called the headlands and right before the right before the pandemic this was i took myself out uh on my birthday and so that was that would have been my 40th i took myself out. i had a birthday gathering and stuff it was really fun but i took myself to see this play and i really dug it and and nude adams was the director so i started following him on instagram he has a pretty cool instagram and uh yeah, I've just become a fan, and I was like, this. So it's like William Jackson Harper, Nude Adams, Ebony Booth, who I just found out about, black woman playwright. Fantastic. I just, I just really dug it, and it also stars um, Eric Berryman, who was in episode eight of season season four, episode eight of Atlanta. He played Thomas Washington in The Goof Who Sat By The Door, who was a uh, (laughs) short-lived Disney Company CEO. So it was cool to see him in the the play. Um, It was just really good. It was another... It was um, April Mathis, who was also a main character. There there was... So April Mathis and then uh, the other actor... J.O. Sanders, those two performers is a four person play and a musician and who played throughout the whole show. J.O. Sanders and April Mathis played um, multiple characters, and I liked how they did the transitions. They were really cool. Um, Just a really good play. 95 minutes, an emotionally charged play uh, that was also funny and heartwarming it it was just a a really powerful uh show i i just i i fucking loved it so i i hope i hope if you're in town uh you get to see it if you if you're into theater um it's worth your time and money um you get to see some really good acting 
I just really loved how I just noticed with this show how connected everybody was with each other. And part of acting, part of of, to be a really good actor, you have to listen. And it seemed like everybody was listening to each other. It was really really a technical play when you think about it in a lot of ways where you kind of had to be highly focused. Um, But but the characters were also able to breathe as well. Um, Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, that was really fucking good. Um, yeah, I was so glad that I got to see it. Um, all right. So I was scrolling through Instagram yesterday, and this is how you know you're getting old when you when you can think about a piece of art, especially music. And music kind of transports you back to a time in your life, and if it's if it can if you connect with it. Um, Dwele, one of my favorite R&B artists, follow him on Instagram, and he was posting about his debut album called Subject, which is now 20 years old. I remember that album coming out in 2003, has probably one of my favorite R&B records of my time called Hold On, which was written by Eric Roberson. Um, that the whole album is is very good, but to me, that uh, Hold On was a standout record for me uh, on that album. And it got me, he was talking about, oh man, thanks for all my fans and blah, blah, blah. He's kind of like a heartfelt post. And he showed some clips of him, you know, putting the album together when he was in the studio, performing it and all that kind of stuff. It was really cool. It brought me back, brought back some memories. And I'm going to share an Al Bundy moment with you. Um, just like my my pals uh, at the Black Guy Who Tips, every now and then, they, they um, oh my God, oh my God, what's what's their, 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 their bullet ball extreme? They, they explain, they, they do the, the bullet ball extreme story and they, they, they talk about why that came, they, they added that to their show and uh, every so often they'll, Ron and Karen will uh, tell that story. So this is one of my Al Bundy moments in my life. 2005. I have tickets to um, see Dwele at this club called The Double Door in Chicago. And at the time, I was fresh out of grad school. I was working on this children's play. And the musical director kind of had a thing for pretty black woman who's a a singer songwriter and uh we just we were just hanging out um and we oh shit that's wow sorry about that something fell i'm okay i'm unharmed my just my uh my uh, just a box fell and it's gonna be okay I'll fix that. You think something's stable and then it's not. That's that's how life is sometimes. All right. Back to my Al Bundy moment that. uh... Okay. All right. 2005. Pretty woman. I have tickets to see Dwelle. I take her along. So we get there, we're hanging out, watching the show. Dwele's like maybe a couple minutes in. He's singing, he's crushing it, he's doing his thing. And then he pretends like he's like a radio host. And he starts asking for requests. And like I said, you know, hold on, one of my favorite records. And I I said, I kind of yelled out, do hold on. And he doesn't hear me. He obviously starts singing a song that a, a young woman uh, requested. I don't remember the, the record, but he does it. He crushes it. It's great. Then he continues to pretend like he's a radio host. And he says, any more requests? And I said, do hold on. I put more bass in my voice. And he's like, what? What's that, sir? He's like, I, I said, do hold on. It's the greatest R&B song ever. And everybody starts laughing 
and he says, uh, randomly says, where are you calling from? And I was like, uh, right here. And then he says, uh, do you want to help me out? And I was like, uh, all right. So I get on stage and the whole crowd is like, like, oh shit. And then like Dwelly's being cool. He's got shades on. And, uh, he's, and I said, I said, so, so I, <laughs> I was like, and I just kind of, he was stage right of me. And, and I just asked him, I said, so if I just start singing, the, the band will play. And he was just like, he just nodded his, nodded his head and was like, yeah. And so I start singing and you can tell that it was 2005. I start singing good. I'm, I start doing my thing. I'm no slouch. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm all right. I've, I've sung some karaoke in my day. At that point, my voice was pretty good because I was, I think I was singing in that play and I was singing karaoke at this place at, at this, at the Goose Island Brewery in Chicago. A bunch of us theater nerds would always get together from, from grad school, from Roosevelt, we used to sing on Thursday nights. So I was I was in pretty good shape vocally. I was in shape back then too. Then um I start singing. So I'm singing, I'm in through the first verse, and then I'm singing the second verse, and I kind of look over at Dwelle. At that point, he's picked up his trumpet and he's backing me up on trumpet. The guy that I, I sing his song all the time in the shower to myself, dreaming of a, of a wo- beautiful woman to be my girlfriend. And this dude, the guy I paid to see, is backing me up on trumpet. And you, could, you know it's 2005 when people start pulling out their disposable Kodak cameras. <laughs> They start pulling out their disposable cameras, taking pictures. And the woman I'm with is just like, you think she'd be a, she'd be all over me. She was, she was, so I I did this song and then Dwelly kind of, he finished like the last part and I just kind of, I just went back into the crowd, but they gave me props and they gave me like a, Dwelly had this care package with incense and stuff because it was like 2005 and uh and I, I think i gave it to that girl or I, I don't know if i kept it or whatever i don't even know but it was like a what, what do you call that now a promo package with incense and stuff and it was cool did i hook up with that girl i did not come to find out we we go to we go to eat after to like some diner and she was like yeah you know that happened with me uh, with Amel LaRue. And I was like, oh. So she was impressed because I sung the song to her. I dedicated the song to her. Uh, but it was a nice night. That was that was still pretty fun, even though I didn't get any much, I didn't get any action. But that was a that was one of my uh Al Bundy moments of uh stepping up to the plate. I don't know how he knew that. I could sing the song, but I think he was just like, hey, let's see if this dude can actually sing. Let's let's try it out. So that was that was pretty cool. That was a nice that was a nice moment. Um uh, so I'll I'll try to I'll try to share more Al Bundy moments like that. Um as far as TV's concerned, Power Book 2, Ghost. I was telling you all, I think I was telling you guys last week how they gave us a bye week. They like to slip those in and not tell anybody. And it leaked. The final two episodes leaked. And I was minding my business a couple nights ago. And one of my friends in the industry told me to check my email and I checked my email and uh, the last two episodes were there and 
watched him. Now I pay for the service, so don't try to come at at me, anybody. Uh, and they were amazing. They were amazing. Um, I loved them. One of my favorite shows on TV. The Power Universe is great. I know some people try to be elitist and say those, those people that try to act like they're above that. They watch reality TV. I see them. I'm not judging them, but don't judge. Don't judge what I like. Don't don't judge this. Don't judge this stuff. Don't judge a scripted television drama. Wait till the fall. I hope this strike doesn't last too, for too much longer. But ABC already wiped out their scripted television. Don't get mad at me when there's no Abbott Elementary. All that stuff fall, falls under the same umbrella, you know? People like what they like, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge. But don't judge me. They're not really judging me. I'm just saying don't judge the show. If you don't watch it, you just don't watch it. But I loved it. Um I'm still watching Silo. Nice, nice episode they had this week. I like that. I'm watching Ted Lasso. I like Ted Ted Lasso. I've I've always liked it. I don't have a I don't have vehement hate for it like JL. I think I think there was too much hyperbole around it uh in the beginning because it came out during the pandemic and people were like, "Oh, wholesome show. That show's pretty dark in a lot of ways." Um there are some really good, nice and beautiful bright spots in it, but it's a it's a it's a bit of a dramedy. Um but I think this is it for the show. I thought it was the final season and some people are saying, "Well, Jason Sudeikis is telling us whether it's going to be the last." I thought this was it. Maybe they bring it back in some fashion where they do like a a special like like some of the British drama British comedies do. They come back for an episode or two, but um, they kind of tease that with their Christmas episode. Um, did they do that? Or was that within this past season? I don't even remember. But I like the show. But I think too much was... Too much hyperbole when describing it was... Um, I think it kind of falls victim to the way that critics were talking about it initially. But overall, I think it's a, a good series. You know, I think people put too much on it and then expectations from then on out were a little too high. That's what I'll say about it. Yellow Jackets, I just continue to watch. I don't feel like I'm connected to it. I watch it, then look at the recap. I think they just got too much going on. The The creators say that they they know what's going to happen. So I'm going to stick with it. Um, but yeah, I think that's all that I'm really locked in on. I'm watching, I've been watching Dave. I like Dave. Um, I've been watching the other two. That's a show that's really consist consistently funny. It's probably one of the funnier shows on, on right now that's running right now. I would say, um, yeah, so I'm going to give you some music and then maybe a couple of movie reviews. So music really, I just kind of been listening to a lot of like older stuff. Um, so older, I was listening to God, I was listening to Bobby Valentino last night and people talk about slow down him being a I forget what the what did they say like recently within the last three years or so people have been like every now and then somebody will talk about how problematic uh <laughs> how problematic that lead single of his slow down from his like from his debut album it's still a good song though I saw you walking down on Melrose, like stalking the girl. 
Slow down. I just want to get to know you. Turn around. Because that pretty round thing looks good to me. What? What? He tells the girl to slow down and then turn around. Because that pretty... Is it pretty round thing or pretty brown? I don't know. It was really creepy. It just sounded really nice. And then people were like that. That song came out in two thousand five, and now in like in like twenty eighteen at the time, people were like, "I can't believe how creepy Bobby Valentino was." You know, that's like the same people that like for people maybe what like seven or eight years, seven to ten years older than me who are at Freaknik now don't want to be. They was all up in the videos back then. Now they want to be, you know, they want to try to like not make that documentary come out. But I think it's a it's a fun record. I mean, I would not tell anybody to to slow down. I would not tell anybody to do that. I would just I would casually look and say and shake my head at how amazing that 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 woman looked. And I would go on with my day. And I would donate money to the less fortunate. That's what I would do. Um, but he has some jams. He 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 had some jams. I was going back and just like while I was watching the Lakers get their ass kicked. Um, that was a good game. The Lakers they stayed in it, but I mean Denver's just a better team. That's what happens when you're a one seed playing a seven seed. When you're a seven seed playing a one seed, Jokic is good, man. It's so funny. He does look like a goon from a James Bond movie, but he can hoop. He can hoop. He's like the final, the final boss. He's like the boss you, you fight before you fight the bad guy in a Bond movie. It's, I mean, and then Jamal Murray's hooping. Good for him. You know, he was hurt for a long time and he came back strong. That's, you know, good for him. It's just there. It just it's it seems like it's just their time. I don't know if Miami has enough firepower to beat him, but I think that'll probably be a fun series. How high is of a seed is Miami? That's what I haven't talked much about. Miami is an eight seed. Wow. Good for them, man. Jimmy Jimmy Butler just has them looking like frauds. Everybody that he's played, he he's had everybody looking fraudulent. Jimmy Hemi Butler makes everyone look fraudulent. It's like you're a fucking joke. And I was the homie uh Leonard Brothers tweeted this um, YouTube video of Jimmy Butler says, why is Jimmy, why is Jimmy Butler so good in the playoffs? I want to click it, but I don't want to. Um, How does Jimmy Butler keep doing this? Yeah, that's why is Jimmy Butler so good in, in the playoffs? It's on. It's from a channel that I just subscribed. I subscribed to right after I watched watched that game. After um, Leonard posted it, and it's called Thinking Basketball. It's on my timeline. I don't tweet that much, and you you can find it. Um, it's on my Twitter timeline, and it's it just they just break down <laughs> how fucking good this guy is. He's so good. And if he just looks and there's a rumor that says he's he's uh, Michael Jordan's love child, but he looks like Michael Jordan. Somebody posted him when he was yelling at that. He was up in the face of that other guy. I even know that other player is from Boston, but he's he's so good, man. When those lights get bright, Jimmy uh, really ever since he's always been a, a, a very good player, but that. 2020 finals when he was exhausted the way he was hooping so hard um it's 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 something to watch man um yeah i haven't been talking about the playoff i haven't been watching too as much as i 
used to. Part of me gets slightly nervous watching LeBron. I root for him. I don't like to see him lose. Um, but, it, you know, he's, what, 38? And these other guys just aren't stepping up. Hachimura is stepping up. He's he's going hard. But AD is, like, kind of sometimey. He's like, yeah, he's just a little sometimey. But maybe this roster gets better. Maybe they make some changes in the offseason. I don't know. But I, I'll, I'll always root for LeBron. But it just looks to be. I ain't going to say his, say my, my buddy's name. But what, he, he was like, everybody. It, it's, it's, a, it's not even a hot take. But he posted it like it was a hot take. He was like. <laughs> he was like. I don't care. I forget what he said. But it was something like. I don't care what anybody says. It's going to be Denver and Miami in the finals. I said it. I said it. I'm like, dude, yeah, Denver's winning 3-0 and, and Miami is is winning 2-0. So you're, you're not making a far-fetched statement, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so playoffs are fun. I, I keep my tabs. I watch all the some of the post game stuff, um, and as far as Ja Moran is concerned, man, I felt like Bomani Jones had the best take, to where it's like he might not care about all that money as much as everybody else does. Everybody else watching his pocket, I you know hope for this guy to to learn from his mistakes, but the thing this punishment is gonna come because he lied to the commissioner, you know. It's not it's not a matter of you're able you're legally allowed to own a gun, but the behavior of flashing a gun around when you work for a company like the NBA, they can suspend you for that. You know, they have clauses in the contracts. I've, what is it? The moral obligation or like what, what is it? Some part of the contract where you there's certain things you can't do. And I don't know if. You know, it's it's just, yeah, the guy, the kids, he's got a problem. And he's trying to be something he's not. I went to school with guys like that. I went to high school with guys like that. I don't know how much, I've probably talked about this on the show before. I'm quite sure I did. Went to a Catholic high school. And some of those kids are, um, some of those kids at this school were well off or just had parents that were upper middle class. And I would say, and I've said this before, you know, we had some kids that their parents lived where the Washington, some of the Washington Wizards players lived where some of the, um, and some of the, the former, the team formerly called the Redskins lived and they were doing, they were making good, good money. And they did, you know, parents were doctors, Lord, and there were kids that would try to be thugs. We'd have, we wore uniforms most of the time. And when we were able to dress down, some people were trying to wear fatigues and like to try to like, to be like the kids that were on the streets selling dope. And, uh, they were trying to be people who they weren't. It's like, dude, your dad's a dentist. What are you doing? Why are you trying to be a thug? You're not a thug. So I went to school with then it wasn't to the extreme of these kids carrying guns, but I know guys went to school with guys that acted like that or tried to get in the hang out with the wrong crowds and all that kind of shit where their parents were busting their ass to send them to a good school so they can have really good opportunities you know so i know i know kids like ja now jaws is at an extreme because he's in the nba making millions of dollars but like bomani said i don't think he cares about that money as much as you know he said his his take had more nuance to it, but at the core, it's like there's a deeper there's a deeper issue going on. And I hope he I hope he 
gets it together because I, I like watching him play. He can hoop. He's like a, another version of Derrick Rose. And you want to see him healthy. You want to see him see 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 them see that team be competitive. I think that's what it is, man. It's a deeper problem that uh, he has to work on, and maybe it's time for him to sit down. So we'll see what happens. But you can't you can't lie to the head of your organization, and then can and then. Expect to not get away with it. They pulled his shoe already. So, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens, man. Um, yeah, but I, I just, I feel bad. I feel bad for him. But, yeah, I'm not going to have no, a take like, well, everybody else could carry, like the whataboutism that J.J. Reddick had. <laughs> everybody else is carrying guns or whatever he said. Oh, whatever. What are you going to do? All right. So music back to music. Um, yeah, I was kind of listening to old stuff and then I was, um, watching some tiny desk concerts and I missed a couple and I stumbled onto Joyce Rice's NPR tiny desk concert. Joyce Rice. I've talked about her when her album came out. But I was reminded of how she's one. She's very talented. I like her music, and she makes R and B music like they used to make when I was younger, like back in the day. Like she has some jams. Like yeah, she's got a couple ballads, but for the most part, she's making jams like they used to make. And it's not all. It's not always about. Yes, yeah, about a guy, but it's not about like you're a piece of shit and I fucking hate you. <laughs> it's just like you're trash. I'm gonna sleep with your friend. It's just. It's a little more pleasant. And I'm not knocking those. Those. I'm not knocking those singers that make you feel like you did something wrong. You're listening to her sing and you're just like, damn, I, I'm a piece of shit. I was like, I don't even know you. Why am I feeling bad? You know, but, um, or maybe it's just guilt from the past. I don't know. But I think she really makes some good music. I was vibing out to her, um, NPR Tiny Desk, and I went back and listened to her, her first, her first album, which is her, her debut. It's her. I think it's her it's her only album but she's got a she's got an ep called um yeah overgrown is her debut that came out in 2021 and she's got a an ep called motive which is good i was kind of cleaning up yesterday and i was listening to her she's very good um so i know i talked about her when she first came out the album first came out but uh I really I was reintroduced to her and then I also reintroduced myself to this guy, uh, Kenyon Dixon, who's got this fucking incredible song called Love on Replay. And he's also somebody that I told you guys about last year. I think I think I found out about him through Uncle Krizzle from Instagram. He always posts like a song, not always, but sometimes he'll post a song he's listening to. And he'll post the like the screenshot of the album and the artist. And that's how I found out about him. I believe I did. And uh, he's great. I, I listened to his. He's got like a. I think maybe his third or fourth. He's got quite a few albums. I think I listened to his album that came out in 2021 called Expectations, which is very good. He's got some good jams on there, but his he recently put out a late 2022. I think he put out a deluxe edition of his album Closer. And Love on Replay is on that. And it's a duet with Tiffany Gauche, Gauche, I believe. Um, so if you haven't checked these two out, check them out. Um, I'm I'm a fan of their work. 
Um, and then as far as as far as movies are concerned, I haven't seen Fast X yet. I plan on going to the movies, uh, being an early morning at this early morning screen of, of the Master Gardener, which is an uh, like a indie, not it's an art house movie. I watched the trailer and it looked really good. So I think I'm going to go see that today and uh, maybe see Fast X like later on in the week, maybe like Monday or Tuesday or something. Um, Sneak away and see see it in Dolby after I um, get done with some TPS reports. But what I will say, I will give you a movie recommendation. And I said this on the the Skim podcast, but I watched this podcast. film called boy which is from 2010 and it's from taika watiti who gave us thor ragnarok in the and the most recent thor movie i believe this might be his this is his second feature i believe his first one i think was eagle versus shark but let me read you this blurb here summer girls gangs drugs it's not easy being 11 it's 1984 and Michael Jackson is king, even in Waihu Bay, Waihau Bay, New Zealand. Here we meet Boy, an 11 year old who lives on a farm with his gran, a goat, and his younger brother Rocky, who thinks he has magic powers. Shortly after Gran leaves for a week, Boy's father, Alamin, appears out of the blue. Having imagined a heroic version of his father during his absence, Boy comes face to face with the real version. With the real version, an incompetent hoodlum who has returned to find a bag of money he has buried years before. This is where the goat enters. I really like this movie. I'm always, one of my favorite genres are coming of age films with kids. You know, they start out one way and then end up uh, knowing a little more, kind of like their innocence lost. In a lot of ways, kind of like a cliche, but like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be um, as something that's super profound. But I think one of my favorite films that did that was Stand By Me. That would that had to be my one of my Stand By Me has to be that goes on a list somewhere as one of my all time favorite films. Um, this is really good. Uh, I I was I happen to be. Just looking at and seeing when some of these films were coming out, like these art house movies that I was interested in, and to see how close they were to me. Like I was looking at the Claridge, which is in Montclair, and I was seeing what their programming was gonna be for the next couple weeks, months, etc. And I uh, found this movie, Boy. And I was like, oh, I have, this looks interesting. I haven't seen that. I was like, oh, this is from 2010. And they were doing a screening of it. And I looked it up here on Letterboxd, where I just read from. And uh, they were like, it's on Showtime. So I think that might have been last Saturday. And I said, okay, I'm going to watch this movie. And uh, within 24 hours, I was watching it. And um, yeah, it was really, it was really good. I needed something to watch before. Before Barry, which I didn't mention in the TV segment, uh, Barry is fantastic. They got, I think, two more episodes. So I'm interested. I'm super excited to see how that that turns out. One of the best shows on TV right there, ne- right there next to uh, Power Book 2 Ghost. <laughs> I know it's not prestige TV, but I f- that's a fun show. My God. Anyway. Yeah, so I highly recommend this one. Especially if you're into um, coming of age stories, sweetness it really has a, a lot of sweetness to it. It's quirky, it's weird, a little weird and interesting. I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. Uh, the next movie I'll say I'll give you is um, uh, Enough Said, and this one is. A rewatch for me. I happen to be. This movie stars Julia Louis Dreyfus and the late great James Gandolfini. Um, I was watching this for two reasons. 
the other the second reason I won't tell you. But one the main one of the main reasons, well the main reason I'm not going to tell you about. The reason I'll tell you about is because Julio Louis-Dreyfus has a movie coming out this week called You Hurt My Feelings. I'm really excited about it and it was written and directed by Nicole Hall of Center who wrote and was supposed to direct Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, that the film that I was in. Uh, but I think there were issues that they had with the production and whatever. And she ended up not directing and Muriel Heller directed and she did a fine job directing that film and it was an Oscar nominated film. Anyway. So that was the one of the main reasons that was the reason I wanted to see this again, just kind of getting prepped for that. I listened to, I actually watched uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus on Pete Holmes's podcast, You Made It Weird, and she was talking about that movie. And I did, I rented it, but I think I want to get this on, I don't know if, if I got this on Blu-ray, I'm not sure that there's any special features, so I don't know, maybe I'd get it digitally. But I watched this and I really did like this movie, just like a slice of life of... Uh, of uh and James Gandolfini I think that's his was his last film and it was it was just really really good um so I I enjoyed that so I recommend if you have not seen enough said that this came out in 2013 um so those are some old joints and then when I do the letterbox dump I'll I'll give you a couple new ones so I'll I'll give me some time to watch Master Gardener and um, uh, uh, Fast X, and then maybe I'll get to see um, the new the new film. Uh, you hurt my feelings, and and talk about those on the letterbox dump. Uh, okay, I think that's it. I think I've talked to you enough. We had uh, some some stuff fall off my shelf. And uh, I think that was a pretty, I think that was a, a pretty action packed podcast. Uh, if you see any of these movies, if you make it out to see Primary Trust, uh, let me know. Write to me. Tell me what you think. So I believe I've done enough. And that's it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time. Take it easy, everybody.